Welcome to another episode of Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer and aspiring software architect. And I'm Beach, the journeyman developer sharing my journey in development. Here to help, the Enneagram Type 2, or the helper, is the caring interpersonal personality type. They are generous, warm, and empathetic, but can become prideful, people-pleasing, and even possessive if they're not careful. In this episode, we'll take a deep dive into the Enneagram Type 2. We'll look at what motivates them, how they respond to situations, and how to interact with a two, whether you are coworkers, friends, or romantic. But before we get started, Will, what have you been fighting this week? Well, I don't know if I talked about this last week. I don't think I did because I think it happened after. I had a really weird Visual Studio Code issue. I, I have a thing that generates my shortcuts for all my projects, mm-hmm. you know, and it keeps it basically in sync across machines, you know, because I've got different drive layouts and all that kind of stuff. And it would be a lot easier on a Linux type operating system with Simlinks, but it's not, I'm not on that. So, Anyway, I have this little node app that'll go and generate that real quick. And apparently, even though the file system on Windows is case insensitive, when you pass a path to Visual Studio Code, the path that it provides for the current working directory in the terminal, as used by, for instance, Gatsby, is not case insensitive. So it does some stuff where it like caches the the, uh, GraphQL queries and things, and it does it based on the file name. And so it was getting duplicate instances of the same cache key out of the same file because of the way it was scanning. Weird. Yeah. And that was a rat hole. Oh, I bet. Yeah. I fixed it. It was just one of those, you know, some dude on uh, Stack Overflow was complaining about the, the case insensitivity issue in like a sub comment on something that I found. And I was like, okay, I'll try that. And it actually worked. Yeah, so that was that was uh, loads of fun and entertainment. Let me tell you, lots of profanity for an hour or two there. <laughs> I bet, I bet. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't really have much else. Uh, how about you? Well, I uh, watched the movie Shazam. Wait, that's not how you say it. As I said, that sounds uh, like Gomer Powell. <laughs> I know, I did that on purpose. Uh, yeah, I watched the movie Shazam the other day. Um, yeah, I don't quite get the premise. A Celtic looking wizard, obviously from the African continent, imbues a kid with the powers of Greek gods to fight the Catholic deadly sins. So it's like World War One. It's like we know <laughs> they're fighting, but we don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> it's like just pick a mythology and stick with it. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. It's just it was like all over the place. And I'm like, all right, all right. This is weird, but OK. I also watched WandaVision. Now, I'm excited about that one. I've already seen both episodes twice. They released the first two episodes um, looking for clues as to to what's going on. I'm not going to give anything away, but it's a little bit reminiscent of the House of House of M story arc. So kind of. Yeah, I don't know what that even is. (laughs) It's a thing from Marvel Comics. Ah. So, yeah. But uh, it's going to be fun watching this as it gets released. I'm finally able to get out of the house. I was going to take it easy. 
but you've met me. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sunday was my first day out of the house, and uh, yeah, I kind of was production lead at church. All right. Not on purpose or anything. I, I said I could be there. They were short uh, camera person, so I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll take the, the easy camera, and I can sit down if I need. I'm out of the way so people aren't like, oh, Beja's back from having COVID. I don't want to be around him. So I'm like, I'll be off in a corner away from everybody. I can wave at people and stuff and it'd be good. And then I get there and our sound guy was out sick. And so our team lead took over the board. And so I got to be production lead. So that was, that was fun. And then after church, we did some recording for some church stuff. And then Amanda and I went over to visit my mom because my little sister was in town and I got to meet my newest nephew. That was cool. He absolutely adores me. So go coolest uncle ever. Uncle awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Then yesterday I had the day off. And so Amanda and I hung out. Uh, She needed to edit some photos from creative group photo shoot. Uh, Unfortunately, I didn't get to go to the photo shoot because I was quarantined at the time. So it was a lot of fun helping her kind of learn Photoshop. Well, Lightroom, really. But, you know, unless you're into it, you really don't know what Lightroom is. Everybody's heard of Photoshop and being a little creative. I mean, she did most of the stuff, but she asked my opinion on things and how to do stuff. And she actually figured some stuff out that I didn't know how to do and was like, oh, hey, check this out. So I learned some, too. That was really cool. And then. Really awesome. I reached a personal financial goal in my savings this month. Nice. Even with like the IRS issues I've had, I've been able to, you know, slowly kind of move the needle forward just a little bit every month. And I hit my goal this month. So I'm going to do like I planned. It might take a little bit longer than originally expected, but I'm going to reward myself by saving up and buying myself something nice. Um, Thinking maybe a souped up Mac mini. Nice sort of a recording creative box or saving a little longer and maybe getting a full MacBook pro. I don't know. They are compelling. Yeah. Um, I'm leaning more towards the Mac mini uh, just cause I've got my laptop. If I need to go somewhere and I can have like that stationary here and not have to worry about, Oh, Sometimes when I take it somewhere, the fan messes up or something like that. Yeah. So I, I know what you mean. That's that's why I've got the desktop box that I do. Mm-hmm. I hate all that stuff or the wireless doesn't work or. Yeah. Yeah. Any number of other things. And so so I've been looking at it. I've been looking at that M1 chip and not everything that I use is currently compatible with it. But it's frustrating because. It's a few hundred dollars cheaper to go with the the higher end M1 chip than the uh, the Intel, but I'm still like I think I'm just going to pay that extra and you know get the reliability. Yeah, well, and and not get surprises, right? Because yeah. that's the the other thing is when you find software that's like, oh, I wish I could use that, and you can't. Yeah, I get you there. So speaking of financial goals, tax season is approaching. So I'm sure your finances are on your minds. Yeah. If not, they will be by the end of the month when all the tax crap comes in. Yep. Um, Or the end of this month, which is probably like two weeks ago for the listeners of the podcast. 
Yeah, that's why I put that in there because this is like it's the forefront of everybody's mind as they're listening. They're getting their W-2s and stuff. And, you know, that that gets you thinking about that. I know when I see mine, I see how much was taken out for my retirement and stuff like that. And it like that's also when I, I look at it and I go, all right, is this the time to do I need to make any changes to my 401k and stuff like that? But on that, we have a friend who is really good at helping people with their finances. Yeah, Lucas Casares is a fee-only certified financial planner. Uh, he owns and runs Level Up Financial Planning virtually out of Fort Collins, Colorado. And just like CDP, he focuses on helping you not only establish a real plan for how you want your life to look, but he also helps you to take action so that you can live your best life. Yeah. You know, a lot of people think they may be too young or don't make enough or, you know, it's too expensive to have a financial planner and it is expensive. It costs money, but it kind of takes money to make money. Yeah. Like the value you get from working with Lucas is going to exponentially grow your finances to the point that you'll look back and go, oh yeah, I, I can't believe I didn't do this sooner because it was so worth it. A friend of mine once told me, he said, uh, good advice pays for itself, but being cheap pays for everything. <laughs> yeah. Eventually, you know, cause yeah. you end up going broke by being cheap. So yeah. And uh, the best part is Lucas is a fiduciary for his clients. So he's not selling a product. He's here to guide you to a better financial situation. And towards that end, uh, on the guidance, he's got a lot of free resources and stuff that you can learn at levelupfinancialplanning.com. The Enneagram of Personality, or just the Enneagram, is a representation of personalities using a geometric figure, which is also called an Enneagram, but with a little e, lowercase e, uh, to express nine interconnected personality types. Now, while each type is unique in and of itself, it's also related to other types. First off, through the circle around the outside, which connects that particular type to each of its wings on either side. And then within the figure, there are lines or arrows coming from the number that point to the types that that one goes to in times of stress or growth. The Enneagram is also used a lot in business management and training to better understand interpersonal dynamics in the workplace. So Enneagram types two, three, and four constitute the heart triad. Uh, this triad is primarily motivated by their feelings. Those in the heart triad are searching for a sense of personal identity. They're more image conscious than others, and within the triad, twos outwardly express feelings and find their identity in others and the way others perceive them. Yeah, at their best, twos are deeply altruistic and humble. They have an unconditional love for others that is genuine and inspiring. They see helping others and being a part of another person's life as a privilege. They are empathetic listeners who are able to get even the shyest of people to feel comfortable opening up to them. But at their worst, twos are insecure and resentful. They're able to rationalize resentful and manipulative behavior because they truly feel victimized and abused. Their self-deceptive nature leads them to see that 
themselves as self-sacrificing or helping when they really are manipulating in order to guilt other people into giving them what they want. So in this episode, well, this is our first episode in the series talking about the Enneagram types. And this is going to go throughout the year. We're going to do one a month. Um, I wrote this one to be sort of an example. I've got a lot of experience, a couple of years of studying the Enneagram under my belt at this point. And so I wrote this first one to set the example. Um, I picked the heart triad to start with because we could start with the twos because that's the one I'm most familiar with uh, being that I am a two. (laughs) So throughout this episode, we're going to take a balanced approach on the type, looking not only at their positive qualities, but also at the negative ones and what to watch out for. So if you are a two or if you know a two, these are things that you can use to understand them and to help them. And if you haven't taken the Enneagram, we will have a link to that uh, in the show notes and you can go check that out. We'll start with a discussion of the main characteristics of the two or the helper. Then we'll talk about wings and arrows, uh, the, the two wings and the two arrows for the two. And finally, we'll talk about interacting with them and kind of close out on how to interact with a two. So Enneagram type two is the helper or the giver. Um, and we're going to use those two terms, you know, two and helper interchangeably as we discuss this. So we don't use the same word over and over and over again. Twos are called the helper because they are the most genuinely helpful of all the types. Even when they're not healthy, they perceive themselves as helpful. A two feels most complete when they're going out of their way to help other people. Yeah, that's like what they live for is to be helpful, to be needed. I think in in my book, I have I'll have a link to it in the show notes as well. This is the book we used the first time I started. I studied the Enneagram. But uh, in it, I wrote a note. I want you to want me. I need you to need me. You know that song? Yeah. (laughs) Um, That defines a two very much. They need to be needed. Unfortunately, though, for unhealthy helpers, this helpfulness comes with ulterior motives. They don't even know that they may have these sort of reciprocal expectations or they they don't know that they are expecting others the the two when they when they help someone out in their mind they're doing it because they're wanting to be a good friend they're wanting to be helpful they're wanting to give but if they're unhealthy subconsciously they're thinking okay i'm going to do this for them so that when i'm in need they will help me Right. And that's a covert contract, right? Yes. Is basically what that term is. Yeah. And I do think there's something here that is interesting in the the idea that, okay, you know, I'm doing something to help somebody else because when I'm in need, they'll help me. Like if that's your expectation, that's one thing. How do you differentiate that from being a healthy member of an ecosystem? Yeah. So this is more like self-sacrificial kind of helping. I'm going to go above and beyond and a healthy two will recognize, will have limits and go, Hey, I'm going to go above and beyond to the limit that I can 
and then I'll stop because I get an intrinsic reward out of helping. Right. Okay. It's like Ayn Rand. She's like all down on altruism, but she also says in her, her writings that if you're the type of person who gets a good warm feeling out of helping others, then that's not a bad thing. It's that forced altruism that she doesn't like. Right. But that's the thing. A healthy too, they recognize, hey, I get something out of helping people and I enjoy it and it fulfills something in me. An unhealthy too, they see themselves as that way. They're self-delusional and think that, but deep in themselves, they're expecting others to be that way too. And so they may stay late helping you on a project because you're stressed and stuff. And then a couple of months later, when they're under stress, get upset because you don't stay late and help them. Right. Okay. Not thinking, oh, hey, he can't stay late because his kid has a ball game that he promised him he'd be at. Yeah. Or he's got a kid that he's got to pick up or it costs a dollar yeah. a minute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, that kind of leads into the next point is that twos tend to see their own needs as something to avoid. They struggle to express their needs instead, spending all their time focusing on the needs of others. Sometimes it seems they know what you need before you know it. Sadly, they seem to think that expressing their needs will lead to heartbreak or humiliation or somebody just not accepting them anymore because they're being honest. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things that at some point in their life, they have they have had this experience probably early on and it led them to this point that expressing my needs is a bad thing. Yeah, it's almost like there's a fear of abandonment sometimes. Yeah, there is. There's a strong fear of abandonment. We'll get into that when we get into the the desires and fears later on. Yeah, sorry, I read the outline ahead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the helper has this uncanny ability to sense or just know what other people need. And you don't have to tell them that you require something. They just kind of show up with it. They do have a bit of a problem also when they assume that everybody else can do that. Yeah. So it's interesting. Like each of the, the types in the the Enneagram has what uh, some people call their superpower. It's like, uh, we have a friend who does this superhuman you Mm -hmm. thing. And like each one of them, the two's superpower is their ability to just know what other people need and to just instantly connect with people like that interpersonal relationship is their superpower. I've had people ask me before, you know, some of our friends who are more socially awkward to help them learn to be more interpersonal and to better interact with people. And I had to watch my, like kind of step out of myself and watch what I did in situations and like go back and review it in my mind to be able to detail it out because it's something that comes so natural to me as a two. Yeah. It's just like that, that connecting with people. One of the things about twos is they are the best gift givers, you know? Yeah. Cause <laughs> I like that scotch, by the way. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Twos, you know, they, they really do like to help people, especially when those people are down or need a friend. However, they can be, constantly afraid that once the person can manage for themselves, they won't need the two anymore. And it can also be kind of hard for them to accept that people don't have to need them all the time in order for them to want the two in their life. Yeah. So 
I know I've said this on the the podcast before, but when I was younger and less mature, I had this attitude that I had to go around and fix introverts because like, I remember that obviously if they're introverted, there's something wrong with them. It wasn't something I went out and said to people, but it was an attitude that I had. And some of them actually like the ones who stuck around me actually wanted that they wanted to be more outgoing and more interpersonal. But something I recognized early on in doing this was that there came a point where it was almost like teaching someone to think for themselves and they rebel against you because you're the safe person to rebel against. Right. Yeah. There, there came a point always where there would be like a disagreement or an argument and they would, they would be testing out that, Hey, what happens if I disagree? What happens if I get angry? What happens if I push back? And it was just like, I, I remember it with so many of my friends who, who were like that. And it was just like, all right, we've, we've hit that stage. The, the next thing to come after this is us being equals. Right. You know? And that was like, I, that was something I learned in my more healthier times was, Hey, you know, this is, this is a part of the process and I don't have to need them. Like I don't have to have them need me. Like when they get to that point where it's like, Hey, I don't need you to be social, to go out with people, to, to do things like that. It took a little bit, but once I realized what was going on, when they no longer needed me, it became a success. And I started viewing it like that. And so my three wing, which we'll talk about later, kicked in and it was like, all right, success. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think one of the other things that's interesting is that, you know, twos can be overly sensitive and, and wear their hearts on their sleeves, which also plays into the, the mix here. Yeah. The helper is the most engaging type of the Enneagram. They're extremely friendly and generous. Twos have a way of making anyone feel safe and comfortable around them. You know, it goes back to that superpower. They feel genuine love and concern for everyone and are able to show that to people, especially when they're healthier in ways that's not creepy. <laughs> right, which is the tricky part, right? If you kind of look deep into it, the two can have a bit of sadness around them because they don't see themselves as lovable. And they learn early on that being helpful makes people like them, so they adapt to be the most helpful they can be. Sometimes that kind of comes out in a weird way. Yeah. As kids, twos tend to be very sociable and have a lot of close friends, sometimes even rotating between groups of friends. I remember... When I was in high school, I think it was my junior or senior year, like I would be in class, I would walk to lunch with one group of people and like we'd walk through the hallway and talk and stand in line together. Then I would go sit and eat with another group. And then I would go after I'd finished eating, I would go sit with a different group of people and then walk back to class with a different group just because I had that many yeah. like just groups of friends and I just rotated between. I was close friends with a lot of them. Like. It, it wasn't, oh, I just kind of know this person. It was, oh, yeah, they've been to my house. We've hung out. I've been to their house. That kind of stuff. Twos also tend to feel emotions uh, deeply. Very deeply. And they, yeah. <clears throat> and I've seen you go through this. They go beyond empathy in that they don't just understand the emotions of others. They feel them themselves. I've seen you do this where I've gotten mad. And then you're madder than I am. And I'm like, it's, <laughs> you know. Yeah, you're you're mad at something unrelated to me. And right. Yeah, I 
I have to remind myself of this a lot. It's really great when you're in that kind of mindset and you know going into something like when I was working at the psychiatric hospital counseling people, oh yeah, this was great because you know, I could be sitting there talking to them and I could just know their emotions, like know what was going on with them because I was feeling it. But I was also in the mindset of, you know, that I, I kind of like put that analytical face on and I'm like, all right, whatever I'm feeling isn't what I'm feeling. It's what they're feeling because I'm here just doing a job. Yeah. And so it it made that really good. The problem comes when you don't recognize that and you sort of feed into the emotions of other people. You let them control your emotions because you're not recognizing, hey, I'm feeling their emotions and mine. Yeah, I can imagine that's uh, interesting in a psych hospital, especially. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, seeking validation from others um, makes helpers give too much power to other people effectively. And if they're not careful, a two can base their entire self-worth on the responses they receive to their self-sacrificial nature, um, which, you know, I had that tendency a lot when I was younger. Mm -hmm. I don't have it now. Yeah. Well, you you do have a two wing. So right at the end of the year, when we talk about ones and the one wing two, we'll we'll hit on that a little bit about how that that interacts. This is going to be an interesting episode for you because you'll see a few things where your wing comes in. Right. On that too, though, words of appreciation are intoxicating for a helper. Like they live, we live. I am one. We live for expressions of gratitude or just even acknowledgement of their work. Yeah. Which I don't like that does that. That freaks me out. Yeah. <laughs> Getting attention like that. I'm just like, yeah. you know, I don't know what to do with it. Yeah. But you, to me, you say, Hey, thanks for doing that. Like just yeah. thanks for doing that. That makes me want to work harder. No joke. Right. Just a simple, Hey, thanks for doing that. Or I really appreciate you, you know, putting in the effort, extra effort or Hey, thanks for coming in five minutes early and helping set up. Uh, or stay in five minutes right. late and helping tear down like that little bit makes me want to work harder. So let's get into the desires and fears for a two. Uh, the basic desire for the two is to be loved. They're motivated by a desire to be needed and appreciated as well as to express their feelings for others. They need others to validate their self-worth the way they want to be perceived. Yeah. Helpers are always looking for signs that they are appreciated or loved. It's one of those things. We're just always on the lookout for that. And like, we may know intellectually that a person cares about us, loves us, but we need to like kind of experience, like feel it on the inside and are looking for it in everything we do. Personally, my love language is words of affirmation. It's a double whammy for me because that's my love language. And I'm a two where that appreciation is kind of like intoxicating for me. So I little notes, I literally found in the back of this book, a note from Amanda that she left me, I guess about a year ago when I was first reading it, just, you know, you're the best. I love you. Stuff like that. And I was like, I like, opened the book up and I saw it. I was like, Oh, I just, you know, whereas Will would find something in like that and be like, eh, throw it away. <laughs> well, I'd just be like, that's, yeah, it's it's kind of like the guy in The Witcher. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it doesn't affect me, really. Uh, the core of a two's fear 
is being unwanted or unworthy of being loved. So they don't see themselves as innately lovable. So they fear others finding out that they aren't worthy. Yeah. Essentially. Helpers fear that others will not be there for them unless they maintain that loving exterior, whether through charm, flattery, or straight up people pleasing. Uh, they can find themselves like twos, if they're not careful, can find themselves being seducing or enticing to others, especially with the three wing. So let's get some examples in, uh, see if you recognize people in your social circle, because <laughs> you probably will start going, oh, this makes sense. So you know, we're going to have examples of healthy, average and unhealthy. Healthy twos have learned how to love themselves and define their own self-worth without outside validation. They're able to express their own needs without fear of losing the other person. They are aware that they exist outside of their relationships. Yeah. A secure helper has appropriate boundaries with others, and they're able to know when it's appropriate to get involved in someone's struggles and when to stay out of them. They're adaptable to changing circumstances and also able to make others feel comfortable and secure when the circumstances around them change. An average two is concerned that expressing their own needs or feelings will jeopardize any relationships or friendships that they have. They're generous, but expect something in return for their generosity, whether they know it or not. Yeah. A two who's on that average, maybe average getting healthier, they may recognize that, hey, I, I, I went through this. I remember when I was on the way back through health, you know, two healthy levels. Yeah. Like I, I recognized that I was expecting things from people when I would do stuff for them. And it was like, it was a process that I, I went through and I had to like train myself as I got healthier to not expect things in return from people. Right. And the mediocre helper can lose themselves in their relationships. They have poor boundaries and tend to be attracted to powerful people who then give them definition. So this kind of sounds like a recipe for codependency. Oh, yes. You're not careful. Oh, yeah. Unhealthy twos have such a strong desire to be loved that they become codependent, accepting any type of appreciation or even neediness in the place of true companionship. So they are so down on themselves and feel so unloved that they will take anything that resembles love. Yeah, or friendship. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, I think I fell into that a lot growing up because I was friends with people that, you know, frankly, they didn't treat me very well. Mm -hmm. And I really didn't enjoy being around them. But like, I felt like I wouldn't fit in elsewhere. And so like, I had a lot of friends that like, I see them on Facebook now and I'm like, I can't relate to this person. Yeah. I can relate to most of my bullies. I'm <laughs> friends with them. <laughs> you know? But these other people, I, I can't. And, you know, that's, it gets you into trouble because, you know, at, at the worst, this tendency is needy and somewhat uh, manipulative. And these people tend to see themselves as a martyr. They're not, you know, giving freely, but they're investing in others to be collected later. So it's kind of like the Godfather giving out favors. Yeah. So pride is the deadly sin of the helper. Now it kind of appears counterintuitive for pride to be the deadly sin of the most selfless giving type, but the two sees other people as more needy than them. And they pride themselves in being able to help the needy. It goes back to what I, what I said earlier about needing to fix the introverts when I was younger. Yeah. It's Prometheus bringing fire. Right. And we know how that turned out. Um, stay away from Eagles. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
helpers see themselves as indispensable and they need to be needed. Uh, This can lead to them seeing themselves as better than others because they're the ones that are always giving. They're the people, the twos are the ones who are always volunteering. They're on every committee. I mean, you guys can see this when I talk about the stuff that I do. I'm like listing out all the things, the groups and committees I'm in at church. The thing is, I have to be careful about being prideful of the things that I do and being like, oh, I'm, you know, that kind of holier than thou, I'm better than you because of all the stuff I do. Like that is literally something that I struggle with and I, I actively fight and not just at church, but in, in other areas, like the stuff that Will and I do around town and, you know, in our community, it's also a thing that I really like, I, I try to bring myself down and humble myself and be like, I'm here to serve, not to look good serving. Right. But I do look good. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever you got to tell yourself, man. You know, you got your Instagram black and white filter on the Zoom call because your camera's messed up. (laughs) Twos have trouble doing any sort of transformational work that involves addressing or accepting their darker aspects. Mm -hmm. They prefer to see themselves only in the most positive light. Yeah, this can be really hard. And again, this goes back to, like I said, that the thing that I struggle with is Will can can say this like, I don't like admitting I'm wrong. I don't like admitting I don't know things. Yeah, I've wondered if it's the admitting the wrong or the uh, 45 minutes of argument to get there. It's the part you don't like. Um, now, on along these lines, overindulgence is a big risk for twos. We can binge on food, especially carbs and sugar, to eat away our love-starved loneliness. In extreme cases, twos can even be bulimic to meet an ideal perception of what they think others want. Or they can suffer from hypochondria because they're looking for sympathy and don't even realize that they're that's what they're doing. Yeah, I've seen that one happen a few times. So the next section that we have is wings and things. It's basically wings and arrows, but wings and things rhymed. So twos with a one wing are known as the servant. One being the perfectionist, the servant is highly worried about doing things the right way. They're more critical of themselves and prone to guilt. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one resonates a little yeah. bit too from the other side there. Yeah, you're a, you're a one wing too. So like you're going to have most in common with this in this episode. Servants want to be viewed as responsible and dependable. Whereas the, the other twos, like the two wing three or the two even wing is going to be kind of more passive in a relationship. The two wing one or the servant is going to be more controlling in their relationships. Right. Cause you want the people around you to act in a certain way because it's, mm-hmm. it makes sense to yeah. you. And when they don't, <laughs> it's not good. Yes. Two wing one are more aware of their own needs than other twos, but they have trouble expressing them so they could say that you know this bothers me and i'm not getting my needs met they could say it to anybody but the person who's bothering them and not meeting their needs yeah is usually the dynamic i've seen Mm -hmm. that's that's very true they'll be they're more prone to complain whereas the other twos they don't even recognize that they have needs the two wing one that that one wing is so is inwardly focused. And so they, they see their own needs, but they're like, I don't, I don't know how to tell them 
that I need this or I don't know how to express this. Right. They do have better boundaries, but are less trusting and they tend to expect more in return for their help, especially when they're unhealthy. I can relate to that one (laughs) quite a bit. (laughs) Now, the two with a three wing are the host or hostess. Um, The host with the most over here. I'm a two wing three, if you guys can't tell. More concerned about relationships and connections, the host tends to be extroverted and even a bit seductive at times. You know, when they're healthy with a good self-image, a host or hostess can kind of shapeshift. Uh, they're about like a three uh, to become whatever is needed to accomplish what they're doing. So they're able to take on or emphasize the traits that are needed in any circumstance. Yeah. So uh, several years ago, I know it wasn't a new concept then, but it kind of came around in my group of friends that someone read the book about like the masks we wear or something like that. And I remember it, it sort of becoming a big thing, the topic of conversation. And they kept accusing me of wearing masks around them and like, you know, it's safe place. Take off your masks. I'm like, guys, I'm not wearing a mask. I'm just adapting. Yeah, I'm adapting to like, you don't like football, so I'm not going to sit here and talk to you about the Titans game that was on Sunday, but you do really like video games, so I'm going to talk more about that. I'm I'm emphasizing the parts of my personality that match yours. So it's not a mask. It's just I'm becoming the person that best interacts with you. And that's that's a two because like a three will do that. And we'll talk about this next month. A three will do that to accomplish their own tasks. It's like they're going to adjust to the situation to to achieve something or to get something. A two will do it to build that interpersonal dynamic. The two wing three is also a bit more competitive, ambitious, and image conscious than other twos. They enjoy healthy, fun competition and will work to make it fair while still playing to win. This part of the dynamic is something I think that Beej and I probably both share because of the way that we have our, or we did have our incentive structure yeah. for uh, podcast downloads mm-hmm. for a while. <laughs> it was to, it was intended to be very competitive. Yeah. Because we were able to to leverage that because we knew it was in our psyche, essentially. For the host, being seen as successful is almost as good as being viewed as generous or loving. So remember when I was talking about fixing friends, like fixing the introverts when I was younger and that that process when they would no longer need me to go out into social situations, that three wing saw that as a success and I didn't get like my feelings didn't get hurt because I'm like, Hey, I successfully helped them overcome their social awkwardness or their shyness and stuff like that. Uh, going back again to me being very prideful as a young teenager, adult, whatever, all those things. Yeah. Well, uh, we won't specify anymore. Um, the, (laughs) the direction of integration or growth for twos points to the category of four. So when you, are moving from unhealthy self-deception towards healthy self-worth, twos take on the positive aspects of the four or individualist. They become more self-nurturing and emotionally aware. Mm -hmm. Twos moving toward the four arrow find that they are comfortable not pretending to love everyone. You know, they're, they're able to go, you know, I don't really get along with this person. 
you know, and that's, that's something that I have learned how to do is say, you know, and there are certain personality types, uh, we'll talk about them when we get to them <laughs> that I do not get along with. It's just, we're like borderlines. No, I mean, uh, Enneagram types, but <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking of a specific example, but yeah. Enneagram types that I just don't, don't get along with, uh, at all. And I've learned to say, Hey, I don't have to pretend to like this person. I can be like, Hey, you know what? We don't get along. I'm just going to not be around them. Of course, my three wing wants to improve myself. So I'm like, you know, I don't get along with this person. So I'm going to go spend time around them to, uh, to work on that. (laughs) So I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a balance there. Um, healthy helpers invest in themselves by being creative. They use their creativity to focus inward and find joy in themselves and what they're doing. Uh, they can feel good about themselves unrelated to helping someone else. So they don't have to be giving or helping to feel good about themselves. I found that the healthier I become, the more creative I get. I'm on the creative team at church. I do photography, videography. I've gotten back into painting. I've done a little bit of writing, but I don't have as much time. The music. The podcast. The podcast is another creative outlet. Uh, Public speaking. Yeah, because yeah, the difference in the way you were when we started this versus the way you were six months in was pretty compelling. I'll just put it that way. Um, It was definitely very good for you. That's one of the weird things things about this is twos when they're healthy, they move towards the more creative side towards the four, but you can kind of, I don't want to say hijack, but short circuit a little bit. Like if you have a friend who's a two and unhealthy and you get them involved in some creativity, it's going to help move them. Like it's like this natural flow. Like it's, it's where they go. And so you get them into into being creative and they're just going to flow into more healthier things. So I guess we also need to talk about the direction of disintegration or what happens when a two gets stressed. Uh, They tend to act more like an eight. So under stress, you know, twos will take on the aspects of the the challenger or the eight and the unhealthy um, aspects. Right. Um, We we need to be clear about that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they become demanding and aggressive. The helper, when unhealthy and stressed, will also start to blame others for their own feelings and anything that makes them unhappy. Right. And this is a tendency I have a little bit sometimes too, right? So like I've got that wing and that kind of makes sense. The dominating and controlling nature may be direct or it might be more passive aggressive or manipulative. I think I'm probably pretty direct at this point, but there was a time I was a bit more mm-hmm. <laughs> passive aggressive. Yeah. Um, the passive didn't ever do anything for me. So I just dropped it. <laughs> um, <laughs> they can become really aggressive or even vengeful about what they perceive as wrongs against them. And that, that perceived wrong can be, especially for a very unhealthy too. Hey, I helped you when you needed it, but you didn't just know that I needed help and come and offer to help me. And that, or I thought the best of you. Yeah. And you, you did something that means that you don't hold me in as high of a regard, mm-hmm. even though you did it flippantly and didn't realize it. And like, yeah, 
you and I both have that to the yeah. <laughs> So now we're going to talk uh, briefly about interacting with others. And so first off, just general interactions with twos. When interacting with a two, or if you are one, understand... Or a two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> understand... Stupid English. ...that twos are motivated by feelings. Like, really. Telling a two they did a good job is going to inspire them to work harder. But even the slightest criticism can be detrimental to a two. Yeah. And when they're healthy, a two will enjoy interacting with others and take compliments as motivation and criticism as areas where they can help themselves. But when they're unhealthy, they can become jealous and not see their own faults. And if you point those faults out to them, they'll either shut down or blow up or usually a combination of the two. Yeah. Usually it's blow up and then shut down. Yeah. It's like this is a- or shut down and then blow up later. <laughs> yeah. Well, the a two, they'll they'll get that explosive anger of the eight, and then they'll just shut down after that. Twos interacting with other twos can either be extremely productive or extremely disruptive. I have a friend at church. She's also a two-wing three. And a little after I started. She tells this story all the time because like I wasn't in a very healthy place at the time. And after I started going to church there and I started getting involved and just being the outgoing extroverted two that I am wanting to help with everything, you know, she actually got a little bit jealous of me, even though she's on the worship team and is very active and very involved. She's like, who is this guy who's coming in and hanging out with my friends and like volunteering for all this stuff and doing these things and showing up early and setting stuff up. And, and so she, what's really funny is she didn't talk to me for a while until she kind of like realized what was going on and was like, Hey, this is unhealthy. I need to work on this. And then we were at, it's called a dream team appreciation night. It's basically a big kind of dinner party for all the volunteers. And we ended up sitting across from each other and we started talking and I was like, I literally thought she was an introvert because she had never talked to me before. And like, I said that (laughs) and everyone at the table started laughing. Like people would walk by and she would be like, Hey, 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 he thought I was introverted. He thought I was introverted. It'd be like (laughs) someone thinking I was introverted. I mean, really? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like, how did you, uh, how did you come to that conclusion? Uh, but then like about a year ago, the two of us, led a small group together and just like it was like a great one we we not only did a great job but we also inspired other people to start their own small groups so yeah when when we were on the same page and working together twos can just be phenomenal they understand each other's needs and the needs of those they're helping and they just sort of like create this feedback loop of helping and giving and it just feeds on itself So speaking of things feeding on themselves, let's talk a little bit about interaction in the workplace. In a workplace environment, twos fit the number associated with them. Uh, They prefer to be second in command. Avoiding direct managerial duties, they prefer to be the power behind the throne. This is one of those things, it was really funny. I um, When I read this in the book the first time, uh, the group, when we were going through it, they told us to write down when you're going through your type, if you thought this was just you. And that was one of those things I was like, I thought that was just me. I like, I'm comfortable being in charge, but I much prefer to be like second in command 
and, you know, just being like the workhorse behind the throne. Yeah. And I have those tendencies too. So it kind of makes sense. I mean, helpers have strong interpersonal skills being very intuitive. They're able to build community in their workplace. Uh, They'll be the ones organizing the after work happy hour or the birthday lunches. Mm -hmm. They're also able to quickly discover what your customers want. And they are the marketing and sales is a great place for them because they are great at making the company look good because of their intuitive nature. Yeah, that or put them at the edge of the department, mm-hmm. like your interface with HR, or your interface with manufacturing, or yeah. you know some other group where they aren't necessarily doing sales, but they're kind of like cross disciplinary, mm-hmm. and they're able to translate. Which is one thing I've noticed, you know, that is very helpful for you when you you get brought into meetings to explain things in layperson terms. Oh yeah, um, and I have some of those tendencies as well, and. Like that seems to be a good place to uh, to put it. Oh, yeah, you're very good at that. I, I picked up a lot of those skills in the tech world from like working with you. So as leaders, twos are able to recruit the right people for the job using praise and words of affirmation to motivate the team. They are often able to get more accomplished than expected. Uh, the thing about this is twos, especially healthy twos in leadership they're not using just straight up flattery to get things accomplished right. and they're not making empty promises. They genuinely care. And when they praise you, it's genuine. And they also, because of their intuitive nature are able to learn, Hey, what motivates people? Like I've learned with will telling him he did a good job on something does the opposite of motivating him. It just freaks me. It weirds me out. Like I'm like, ah, okay. But with will, if you tell him, Hey man, this really helped me out and made my life easier. That motivates him to do it more. I said that about something uh, a while back uh, on his outline and the next three outlines had that same format in them. Right. Yeah. It was was like, dude, that's so awesome. (laughs) Yeah. I remember that. Like you pointed it out after three because I didn't even realize I did it. These are kind of inbuilt things. When you lead a two, a you know simple affirmation or encouragement goes a long way to getting them motivated. Uh, be really sparing with the criticism, though, because it will crush them mm-hmm. and drive them off. They won't you know do the work. And I've seen this dynamic a few times in work environments. Yeah, you know where they give you the they call it the PCP praise, correct praise. Mm-hmm. You know the the crap sandwich. Yeah. Management gives you, oh, you're really good at this, but you suck at this. And that's actually the message. And then, oh, but you're really good at this other thing. That middle outweighs the rest. Oh, yeah. You, you have to be careful with it. Uh, the best I have ever seen for for correcting, I still have a lot of respect for this guy. Uh, I kind of wonder if he may be a two or have a two wing. But uh, it was a consultant that we had come in. He started off with, like, he met me and he's like, so you don't, have any formal education. This is your first job. I was like, yeah. He's like, wow. It's like, this is really impressive for that. He's like, it's, this is really good. I really like the way you did this. He's like, would you like to know how to do it better? So instead of saying, instead of doing like the crap sandwich where it's like, good job here, here's where it needs work. Good job here. It's good job. Here's something I really like. You want to know how to make this better? It's like how to improve yourself and how to be better yourself. Like that's going to motivate me. And like, 
I was like, yeah, what, what is it? Like, do we need to rewrite the whole application? I'm game. Let's go. You know, that's yeah. literally the, the attitude I had when that came across. So given that, let's talk about friendships with twos, your helpers. Uh, they build close, long lasting friendships with a lot of people. They never meet a stranger and they often have deep conversations about life with people the first time they meet them. Yeah. Uh, that friend I was telling you about, um, Whitney, she also is a podcaster. That's funny. She doesn't like small talk. And I get it because when I was younger, I didn't like small talk either. I have learned how to use small talk to lead into deeper conversations. Yeah, we're talking about actual small talk, not the programming language. <laughs> yeah, I guess we got to specify that here. In case somebody's <laughs> spinning off on that. Uh, yep. Twos consider almost everyone they've ever met to be their friend. Unless they are not their friend, unless they're like, I don't like this person. They consider them their friend and can remember the most obscure details about people they barely know. Uh, Amanda makes fun of me about this all the time. I'll say something like we're in North Carolina. I'm like, oh, yeah, I've got a friend who lives in North Carolina. And her response was, is it a your friend, like your definition of friend or everyone else's definition of friend? I could see her saying that. Yeah. And, you know, of course, my response was I talk to him fairly regularly and could call him up right now and he'd come hang out. So she's like, OK, so everyone else's definition of friend then, <laughs> because I will say someone I've met twice is my friend. I'm like, oh, yeah, I have a friend who does this. That's like, well, we're friends on Facebook. They're not your enemy. Yeah. Yeah. If you're not my enemy, you're and my I've friend. Met them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So twos will struggle with the fact that not everyone is as intuitive as they are, and they aren't able to ask for help when they need it, but they just kind of expect others to just know when they need help. And if they're not careful, a two can start to resent their friends because they don't just know to call them or invite them to things. Yeah, like it's it's a legit struggle. It's something that I have to I have to fight all the time is the all right. No, if if I want them to know, Hey, I, I need something. I have to actively tell them. I have several friends who are twos, but I have a few friends who are like, have the two wing or they just know my personality. So they'll just randomly check up on me. Yeah. And so, yeah, at some point, usually midlife twos will hit a wall where they realize they can't keep overgiving. During this time, they're going to need their friends more than ever, especially to help them realize that they aren't defined by their relationship with others, be it friendship, coworker, whatever. They're not defined by those relationships, and they're going to try to have to develop their own individuality. For me, this really hit sort of around med school and then going through my divorce. It was a little earlier than midlife for me, but it was just like, you know, I went through some stuff and it just, just, it was harsh. And it was one of those yeah. things. It was like, you know, this is, I have to learn how to redefine myself. Yeah. Those were, uh, those were fun days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about relationships with twos. I know we're kind of running up on time to a two relationships mean everything. They're the most interpersonal of all the types on the Enneagram. And it's important for them to express love and know that they are loved. Yeah. Because they not only know what other people are feeling, but they feel those emotions themselves. 
it's very, very easy for a two to lose themselves in a relationship or even just an intense situation. The helper is going to identify themselves through the lens of their relationship. So it, someone may introduce themselves as, you know, like for me, Hey, I'm BJ. I'm Amanda's boyfriend, you know, or Will, if he were a two might introduce himself as I am my daughter's father, or, you know, they, they will talk about themselves in terms of relationships because that's how they view themselves. Right. When healthy, a two in a relationship is independent and able to predict and meet the needs of their partner. However, when they're unhealthy, they can become clingy and codependent on the relationship in order to feel a sense of value. Yeah. And I can attest to that. It's I've seen that one. Yeah. (laughs) And I've, I've seen myself go between the two in the same relationship. Yeah. Where I've been like, I've been healthier and clingy. Actually, Amanda has said to me sometimes when I was, just going through a rough time or something. And then I kind of was coming out of it. She was like, okay. And I'm like, what? She's like, well, I just expected you to follow me to my car and be clingy. And I'm like, oh, I've been trying to avoid being clingy. I felt like it was annoying you. She's like, it was, but I wasn't going to say anything because you were having a rough time. (laughs) So, yeah. Guys, this information is to help you understand yourself or those around you. Twos can be intense and a bit extra at times. When interacting with them, understand that they do genuinely care about you and they're trying to help. In their mind, that's what they're trying to do. If they do get resentful or aggressive, be understanding with them as they will beat themselves up about it after when they've calmed down or the stress has passed. If you are a two or a helper, Take a moment to think about your needs. You are aware that you have needs, but have pushed them back to focus on helping others. If your needs aren't being met, then you aren't going to be able to help others as well as you could. It can be difficult to even admit that you need something, but find a trusted friend. You know, you have plenty to choose from and test out just a simple need with them. Hey, I need this. Can you help me with that? Also, learn to say no, or at least not say yes to everything. That pretty much wraps us up before we close everything out. Will, what do you have for us this week for Tricks of the Trade? Well, I just I kind of want to reemphasize something that I think is very useful, and that is try to remember that other people are not you, uh, just in general, because most of them aren't anything like you. Uh, there's a pretty broad swath of emotional tolerances for things, psychological characteristics, that kind of stuff. And we don't all have the same ones. And it can be really easy to watch somebody's behavior and go, oh, I would only do that if I was in this particular mental state. And, you know, that that's great if you're just going, okay, I don't want to do that. So let me avoid that mental state. But if you project that onto the other party, you kind of miss out a lot on why something is happening. And, you know, frankly, that can be pretty dangerous. I've known people that were cops and made those assumptions and they got hurt. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not, it's not safe and it's not smart. Um, but the other thing is, is it's also not compassionate. You're not seeing the other person as a separate person and you're trying to project something onto them, which when you see behavior that is negative can lead you to be 
less tolerant sometimes of things that's like, okay, they're acting this way, not for the reasons I would act that way, but for their own reasons that are this other thing that actually kind of makes sense. And so just be careful about that uh, analytical overlay that you tend to put on other people's behavior. That's all I got. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Standby for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. The intro music for IOTs is Hillbilly Hip Hop by Jason Belcher. For references, show notes, and to sign up for weekly emails with extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod and like our page on Facebook to keep up with news about the show. Catch us each week as we broadcast live, talking about what's going on in the tech world and answering listener questions. Learn more about all of our shows and groups by going to CompleteDevelopernetwork.com where you'll find links to Junior Developer Toolbox, Developer Launchpad, and our other communities. Thanks for listening. See you next time.